step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. Another week promising to deliver something that is going to just rock our minds and our world. With God's revelation last week, Dr. Price blew us away with saying, we're not planting churches, we're planting prophets. <laughs> it would take somebody who's written a prophet dictionary to say something as bold <laughs> as that. And how uh, she talked about global is as global does. And the warfare against God's supremacy is calculated. I think that's something that kind of slips past all of us. Because we feel that God is flying by the seat of his heavenly throne. That the Satan is too, you know, and, and this thing against God is just people not understanding and everybody really wants to be saved. They just don't know it yet. And not that this is as organized on earth as it was in heaven before we had the war in heaven. Same players. Same players. Same players. Same cast. We're the new one. Different terrain. Yep. Right. We're the new extras. We're the new extras. <laughs> We're the new extras to the show. But Dr. Price, I appreciate you launching out with that. And also saying that education is always for the future. And in training prophets and in training anybody, you are training them for the future. And um, my goodness, the book of Hebrews, you talked about encapsulating God's career. You hit on profession versus confession. <laughs> you like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And even in your broadcast Tuesday night, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes on Tuesday night, day three. Um, <laughs> production. Yes, with Bishop Larry Gators, who was an absolutely uh, precious man and and, and an excellent uh, interviewer for me. You know, he really actually let me flow. Yes. You know, there was a. Yeah, you know, people say I'm going to let you flow, and then I sit there for 15 minutes of silence while they, well, reiterate. That's all. Let's get everybody all worked up. Yeah, I do. I kind of sort of do that. But I appreciate him. I'm looking forward. He's given me an invitation to come back, so I'm looking forward to that. But we had a great time, and we talked about apostleship. But, you know, one of the things that God has said to me, and we'll cover that a little bit more after tonight, in prophetic ed, is that we are going to have to shift from 21st century from 20th century to 21st century prophetic ministry. I conclude, or I can deduce from that statement, that we need to shift to the 21st century in ministry anyhow. You know, it's a running joke, actually, how the church is always 20, uh, 50 years behind. And I realize that we're always 50 years behind. We're, all, we're usually in the previous 
century. And so we'll talk a little bit tonight about why that's important. Why is it important to know that we're <laughs> 50 years behind in the previous century? And so as we go into today, you know, I don't have a flat cloth, but that's okay. Hold on. See, somebody, fear not. Because, you know, you guys are going to tell me to hit the table and I'm going to have to go bang, and you know you're not going to like that. Not the same. But we're going to talk about that. And before we get into my discussion, are there some announcements you would like to make, old dear prophet one? Well, yes. (laughs) Let's see. What is today? Thursday. This week. This week. My goal is this afternoon to get the Opening Your Prayer Portal Part 2 up online. It is edited. It is broken down after the show. I can get it set up, and we'll be live for your saints, your warriors, your prophets, and intercessors to take their prayer life to the next <laughs> level and purchase that course. And I, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to go through it again myself. And you just did. I did. <laughs> I did. It's just that good because when you are, the difference between watching something to be entertained or just to merely be edified and to watch it to learn and be changed mm-hmm. is that takes repetition. Mm. Every mm-hmm. time you go back, you hear something different. Mm. Every time you go back, you can do more because what you learned the first time now, you can build upon that. Exactly. And you are educating people, which is why we have the online training center mm. to build people in all of the things that you have on there. <laughs> and I have quite a bit. Yes, you do. So we're going to have that, and how are they going to get to the prayer portal when you launch it? Well, we'll be posting it all over the place, and um, they can always get to it from drpaulaaprice.com. Yes, yes. You know, train me. I think that's the tab at the top that says train me, and then when you hit that in there, it's going to take you directly to the training site. I know many people probably have it saved in their favorites. <laughs> By now. Well, they've been asking us for, where is the next one? Where is the, when is it coming out? So you finally did it, and it is a powerful foundation. Now, this one is to begin the process of framing your mind and your your understanding for <laughs> opening your prayer portal. One of the things that you said stood out about you with the prayer portal is how you said that, um, you know, I emphasize it's the next level prayer. Right. You know, we have intercessory things, and we have all kinds of other things for your beginning prayer, your daily prayer, but prayer portal prayer is very different. You want to get this series. If you are an intercessor, you should be right now geared up for the next session. If you are a trainer and you train people in intercession, spiritual warfare, prophets, and things like that, you have to recognize that prayer, like everything else, has rules and protocols. And I talk a little bit about prayer rules there, don't I? A little bit about the rules. Yes, you about, about prayer rules. And you might think, well, why do we need rules? Well, well, for the people who pray and have hit resistance, they understand very clearly. People have had their prayers unanswered, go unanswered, dashed, delayed, distorted. They know why. God is a person. I want to keep saying this. I think I need to say this, like, I don't know, 10 times a month. God is a person. He's not a face. He's not a an a serial object. He's not an abstract concept. He is a person. 
He started out as a person. We could hardly be made in his image and likeness and he not be a person. So now, let's get that clear. God is a person. If you are one of the people who are not at work (laughs) watching and you are taking notes, I want you to write down, God is a person. You know, if we were in my day in school, my whole class would write 100 times. God is a person. God is a person. God is a person. Second thing, God is a thinker, and God is a planner. So we want to write that. God is a person, a thinker, a planner. Here's another good one. God is sovereign. He doesn't need our permission to do anything. The fact that he involves us, informs us, all of that's grace and mercy. Because God has a whole planet that he does stuff, acts on, works on, does anything he wants, lets them think what they want to think about it, interpret it, explain it, propagate the world with it. And he never says anything. He just says, I'm doing this. God is sovereign. Here's the one I want to get to in that list. God is not a long ranger. God is not sitting on the throne and then running around personally handling all your prayers and petitions. God is a kingdom. He rules a kingdom, and his kingdom is eternal. It's not just ancient. In ancient days, he revealed that kingdom. But God is eternal. Now, if I said that to most of you who are thinking people, and most Christians are, If I said that, then that tells you that if he has a kingdom, he must have a population. He has spiritual citizens. And and with those citizens, they have jobs and duties. And on we go. Now, with that being the case, wouldn't you think he'd have some rules and protocols for how he gets things done? It would, to me, it would be common sense. Angels, are, God's spiritual citizens, which are more than angels, are not just spinning around his throne all day long like they circuited Mount Sinai, okay? He has a, an eternal population with extraordinary, extraordinary abilities and capacities and great experience, history. God didn't make man when he first set out because he was perfecting everything that he did. He says everything he does is try seven times, and we get upset about trials. Some of us are only in trial three. We quit. Tap out. I'm done. Ring about. Ding day. I'm out. I'm going home. Pack it up. But God is a person. And when you deal with a person who is the, the creator and head of a realm, he has reasons for why he did things. He's developed reasons for doing, obliging us and not obliging us. And all of those things are what we don't get. Now, when you are brand new in God or you are just learning the things of God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name is good stuff. Start there. You know, start. Dear Father God, pray in the name of Jesus. You know, so many people say, we don't really need to use the name of Jesus. Yes, you do, just like you need to use the name of the government. The IRS comes after you in the name of the United States government. Hallelujah. Your Social Security is paid in the name of and, and, and processed in the name of the United States government. Somebody just can't spring up one day and say, I think I want a Social Security office in my name. 
Because the name in our world, your name is a single, you know, appellation or a single attribute. But in God's world, that name is the 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 full range and the entirety of not just the personhood, but the possessions and achievements and potency of that person. So when you say in the name of Jesus, you have to make sure that you are clear that you want this man to get involved. Because Jesus got has a whole staff of rebels that don't ask him for anything and do whatever they want to do. And he and that's right too, because they manage the sons of Adam. So when you want to pray, you've got to invoke the name of Jesus so that you get the answer you want from the God you choose. If you pray in the name of the universe, which a lot of them do, then if any old spirit in the neighborhood can just jump in and do it their way. You might get the best, you might get the least. You pray in the name of another God, you're going to get that deity's resources and services at your command. You have to decide what you want because you're going to own one of them. You have to decide who gives you the best for what you ask. So opening your prayer portal thinks on that level. And it's for people who have to move the higher powers. The Lord says he has principalities and powers and, and spiritual hosts of wickedness and thrones and dominions and all of those kinds of things. They're in the Bible, and he has them. Now, you know, if he has all of that, then that means each one of them has the delegated measure of rules, sphere of rules, sphere of domain, etc. And they all don't have to do everything. You know, you don't need Michael to come and punch out your child's bully in school. He kind of handles bigger things, okay? Maybe national, global. Yeah, 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 it could be a little bigger, but you, you know, but God does have the angel assigned to that child's well-being there to help them through. So you have to know how to appeal to heaven, you know. And the one thing you don't want to do is approach heaven presumptuously or storm the gates. They have been stormed. They don't take gate storming first now. So we're just gonna bombard heaven. First of all, they have so many shields and deflectors, baby. They have to switch your channel to know you're saying something. We have to think realistically about God. We have to realize, and I can talk this way because he's a person and because he's left us in the earth many signs and symbols and, and indicators of his way of doing things. So prayer portal embraces all of that. It absorbs all of that into its uh, program is training so that you understand how to go to the next level in prayer. God is a person, and trust me, as a person, he moves by his own will. We move by our will until somebody else moves it. Now, actually, God has let everybody test his will and find out they can't move him. So he moves by his own will. And if he has a will, your will is your way of doing things, what you want done done, how you want it to be done, and what will move you to change or act in a, in a situation that may or may not benefit you, number one, or that is just simply because of your favor or your grace or your compliance with, with something else. You move because somebody makes you move. You move because you want something. You you act because someone has appealed to you in a certain way, touched something inside you that makes you want to move, that opens you up your will, opens up your your uh, compliance, opens up your favor, opens up your interest, whatever. You do that. Well, how is it that you think you can do that every day as, as a single entity and the Almighty cannot or does not? He has ways. He wants things to be done. 
Now, here's where people get stuck, Ashley. You're in class. Isn't this wonderful? Always. People get stuck on the fact that, A, they do what they think is God's will and it's not, or they fumble in God and without apparent or immediate consequences and thus assume God's okay with it because they treat God as if he's picky on, as if he's just, you know, we're just going to hit it. God has a hierarchy of responses. He literally ranks his responses and, and the seasons in which he's going to do them. So that is why you can do something to God when you're 19 and he didn't come back at it until you're 42. He had other things already on the books for you. He already had things worked out. He had plans for you. So if he needed you to, to, to you know, you made that childhood mistake, got married, and, uh, or, uh, or, or, or had, you know, committed some sort of offense and you seem to get away with it. No, mm-mm, you never do. God has got to balance the scales of justice because the scales of justice are not held by wind. They're held by assigned agents who must dispose of every action of humanity. So he'll wait. You'll turn around there. Some of you all, you know, you'll turn around there. You had a nice little one-night fling with a little girl in town, but she was just somebody that you wanted to, you know, relieve yourself with. She got pregnant. You forced her to have an abortion. She can't have children now. Don't worry about it. God's going to deal with you later on down the line. He'll wait. God can wait you out because two things, three things never happen to God. He never gets sick. I think Foster was this. He never gets sick. He cannot get old. And he cannot die. Isn't that interesting? God has nothing to disturb his being. He's going to be God forever, amen, the way he is. His world creatures, they don't have aging, they don't have death, they don't have sickness, and God has no fear, none. And he can't be, you can't cajole him, you can't buy him off. People think they do. God just waits for other chapters in your book to play out. He's every day playing, working those chapters in your book. And so when you get saved, now you move from the book of Adam to the book of Christ. We talk about that in, I think it's my prophet's dictionary, and I want to say divine calm, no, divine order. Okay? And so, but God is also working it out. So when you hear people do all of this crazy stuff, like you hear these people, these young folks, you know, they're blaspheming and all of that stuff, and they swear they're getting away with it until they need something that only life can deliver. Then they have to go to the Lord of life. And so God, he's like, I don't, you know, I don't really care. He's not going to do what he wants. Or if he decides it's time for that thing that, that caused you to do that to be dealt with, God said when sin is full grown, then it brings forth death. So when that thing grows up, he comes after it. And he comes after it because by the time he do, he's justified in his action because he has a whole, he has some witnesses in the flesh who can verify, yeah, that needed, mm, yeah, that needed to be dealt with, right? Mm. Well, you know what? Somebody, I was hoping somebody sit and deal with it because you know nobody on earth could. It's a complex, fun thing. I told Jesus last night. I said, Lord, I enjoy you. I really do. I enjoy him because I am a leader. You cannot be a quality leader and disinterested in the almighty. You just can't. Not be a quality leader. You could be a self-serving leader, you know, 
And, but if you're a quality leader, you cannot get around God. You may not want to give him credit for it, but his universal laws and his universal principles and practices are weaved throughout creation, and he has an innumerable staff of invisible agents and, and creatures who see to it that his word never fails. They are interested in God's success. It doesn't make a difference how many humans or not. They are interested in God's success, and they are ancient. They're older. They are seasoned. They are veterans, and they are interested in God succeeding. And they have the latitude that you cannot even imagine. You guys know, you know, when I get ready, I'm planning to have what I want to, want to call um, – an apostolic prophetic roundtable, just with apostles and prophets, high thinkers. I don't want the newcomers, the newbies, the, the, you know, the title grabbers and the label snatchers. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for quality folk because there are some things God wants to impart to his leaders and his rulers of the future to help us handle and to comprehend what's going on and what he's doing. A lot of the things that people let go by is not because they had a problem with God or they really wanted God to fail. They didn't have any alternatives to what they, what they were seeing and what they've been taught. But his way is unbelievable, and yet it's so practical. You almost want to say, well, duh. I mean, how many times have we said that when we learn things, you know? So as you go forward in the Lord and you start thinking about praying, you start thinking about appealing to him and petitioning and, and authority and, and all of that. You know, we teach miracles as if everybody can just work a miracle. God can work a miracle through anybody, but not anybody can have access to his miracle. I thought, snap time. Did you like that? Okay, that's good. Let me just snap time. And so... But you have to understand, God has protocols. He said, I told uh, Ashley once, I said, Ashley, one day I'm going to write an article on the God nod, how to get God to nod for you. Because, but that requires seeing him as a king. You know, that requires him giving his word. And that requires him instructing his agents and his forces. Because it doesn't make a difference how much you command an angel. That angel doesn't work for you. And you cannot command God's angels to rebel against God. They, they, they already passed on that. that they, had, they had an offer. They chose not to. They passed on it. They're not going to obey you and your petitions and your prayers above God. So they have a routine order. They have a routine schedule and business that they handle. They do whatever they do. But when God says something different, I'm telling you, he, they're going to obey him. And they're going to obey him because that's where they live. He is their maker, and they are comfortable, and they have settled our questions of good and evil and darkness and light and sin and righteousness and, you know, life and death and morality and all of this. Those are settled for them. That's why they can impose them on us and and react to them when we get into those wrestles. But we we can't think like that. And you are never going to rise in God before you resolve his righteousness. Your maturity, I, I can read it to you. Want me to read it? Of course you want me to read it. I have a book here that I can read, and I'm going to see it without the glasses, so y'all be prayerful. Not even the big print book. <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews. Hallelujah. Hebrews. Wonderful book. Hebrews is one of my favorite 
books of the Bible. I, but I do think it's one of the most challenging, actually. I really do. Hebrews 5, and, and reading there, Hebrews 5. I like reading it um, from the beginning. Not from the beginning. Um, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, declared by God high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say, and it's difficult to explain, for you have become sluggish in hearing. Although you should be teachers by this time, you need to have someone teach you again the basic elements of the utterances of God or the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. Everyone, listen to this. This is so good. This is where I want you to go. Everyone who lives on milk lacks experience of the word and righteousness, for he is a child. But solid food, food is for the mature. Now listen to what God defines as mature. For those whose faculties are trained by practice to discern good and evil. Isn't that powerful? Come on, before you go, plug. There you go. Okay, plug it. <laughs> treat talk. Treat, treat talk. Exactly. And so when I was being developed by God, I got the scripture all the time. And so one day, this is interesting. One day he said to me, so um, read that again. And I did it. And he said, who by practice? What are you practicing? God's righteousness. So by practicing God's righteousness, you become able to discern good and evil. Hear this. But he didn't say good or evil, and that's how we translate it in our mind. We always say good or evil, but here, listen to this. Here, God says good and evil. Because if you're going to be a ruler, you have to be very knowledgeable of both. You cannot leave being just just well-versed in good. Because that's why Adam and Eve got taken out at the tree. Because they only knew good. They didn't know evil. I love that. Somebody's going to hear me. See, they didn't hear. Did you guys hear me? Come up. I'm slapping something. Maybe I'll get your attention. Boom. 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 And that was with the left hand. Sheltered, only no good. Only no good, and never even explained or introduced to. My mom had an amazing job. Things that were never coming into the house, we were never allowed to do. Mm -hmm. We wanted to live there. However, however, I like the however. He let us know the devil was real. Honey, this is how he played. I'm telling you. Now. I like this. Um, and, and you know what? I appreciate you sharing that because that's what I do with my daughter. Even when I sent my daughter to ORU, I said, now, baby, you are not going to heaven. I'm not sending you to University of Heaven. I'm sending you to a school with Christians who say, whose efforts are to maintain the life of Christ as a Christian. However, you need to recognize that you still have to have your guard up. You still have to have your plan, and on and on and on. 
And so I, I wanted to say this because I, I, I think that God wants us to get this. And he said in the abound, look at this, uh, Genesis 3. Now remember Hebrews 5.14. We're in Genesis 3, and trust me if I say, I want to say it's the right verse. I don't know. And it says um, 22, yeah. Then, then listen to this. Come on, guys, listen. This is powerful stuff because it's answered. Then the Lord God said, see, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Not in Genesis before the Holy Ghost, that was a problem. But in Hebrews, it's a solution. Guys, if you could see Ashley right now, you'd be howling. She so wants to leap in. <laughs> she can't help herself. She wants to leap on in there. So, because in Genesis, the reason Adam was taken out was because he only knew good and he learned evil from God's adversary. Hmm. Are they flowing with me? Guys, are you getting I'm getting excited. Are you with me in this? So in Genesis, his, his knowledge of evil killed him. But in Revelation, practicing God's righteousness to settle questions of good and evil makes you mature. Adam was too immature to understand that Satan was lying to him and selling him a bill of goods. But now with the Holy Spirit in us again, we now, because we, we are born knowing evil, God has to teach us good. It's the reverse. Oh, hey, somebody. I'm telling you this because God wants you to recognize you can call yourself a 30-year-old Christian, a 50-year Christian, a 90-year Christian. I've walked with the Lord 70 years. If you are still thinking that God is only about only good, as we, as we call it, you got a problem. Because you cannot be a quality leader and not have reconciled the good and evil in all creation. God had to reconcile it from the minute that chariot cut up. God had to reconcile the evil. I like good and I like evil because it just simply means life. And so God had to reconcile the side of himself that could kill, that could destroy, that could doom and curse and damn. And he had to assign it to the side of himself that were going to destroy him. So this is not just about your destruction. You cannot be a leader. I listen to, you know how you watch all of these shows and you got these little naive people that say, well, I just choose to see the good in everybody. Well, that's why you're going to get taken out by the evil you can't see. Because people, the reason you have to be given a free will is because a free will has options. And if you don't, if we don't have a free will, so we think, or a will, just a will, it means you have to be free. But but the, the fact that God gave us a will is because we had options. We can opt to obey him, opt out. We can opt in on God and opt out. People opt out on him all the time. So you, the reason that God has a human will and gave the humans a will is because he wanted them to opt in or opt out. Because if he didn't give us an option, like he did not really get, Adam had one option. His will was to eat or not eat. Not whether or not it was good or evil. He didn't have any clue about that. Not whether or not it was wisdom or, or ignorance or, or foolishness. 
His, uh-uh, his goodness made him gullible. His exclusively good perspective made him gullible and therefore vulnerable. So, you know, we, we teach everybody, well, you know, I, I want to be like God. He sees only the good in people. No, he doesn't. If he did, he wouldn't have got on the cross. Wow. I mean, he clearly saw that there was a reason why he had to die on the cross. Why did he get on the cross if he only dealt with the good in people? Anybody flowing with me on this? And we do, we keep saying that. You know, everybody has a reason. Then after we get saved, what, what does he say? Okay, now you have to choose the good. He said to, uh, to Israel, choose the good, refuse the evil. He says to us today, choose the good, refuse the evil. Exercise your will to righteousness, to godliness, to wholesomeness. Why? Because that's what we do. Because on earth, it's a will for options, but in God's world, it becomes a way of life. I wanted that to sink in. You know, part of why we have problems today, Ashley, with the church experience is just that. We have problems with the church experience simply because we want to experience good only and we want evil to be gone away. And trust me, even in God's world, they have, they have peace in God's world because they have dealt with chaos, dealt with trouble. They have dealt with, they had that. The reason they have peace in their world and they found the, the, the master key to peace, which is Jesus Christ rising from the dead, they found that key, that, but they had to plow through all of the stuff we're plowing through to get there. He, God had to plow through it, and he had to allow it to, so that every one of the citizens who chose to stay with him forever resolved that they were going to live life his way. Because when you are in God's world, your will is his way. When, when the angels let the apostles out of the jail, what did the angels say? Go stand in the middle of the street and tell everybody about this way. Over the way of God, the way of God, the way of God, the way of God. You'll only choose in God's world between now and the time you, you die, the last time you want to do things God's way and you choose to do so, your will, it ceases to be yours forever. You will never need a will again, never, because you've already chosen God's way. And so God woke, God woke me this morning. He said, I want to talk to them about the church experience, and I want to talk to you quickly about that. You know, you all have a real misguided perspective of the church experience. You all, we have been taught church experiences for us. If the church is the body of Christ, how could our experience be exclusively ours? Jesus is, this, is not your slave. He is not your servant. He is your savior. And many of you are like, I am tired of church. And, and, and some of you all probably should be because you're probably going to church that was play land, baby land, you know, um, backyard, resources, schoolyard, because the, the pastors made church about you. When I counsel, I'm, I'm going to digress for a moment. When I counsel parents, I say the one way to raise a useless kid is to make them think they're the center of your home life. You guarantee a kid that cannot cope with not being the center of everything. It's going to cause emotional stress. 
and trauma. They're going to live in one shock therapy after one after another. You're going to get a kid that's going to fight and tear up everything or a kid that's never going to leave the house because being the center is the only thing they know. Parents who spoil their children do not spoil their children because they love their kids. They spoil their children because they were not spoiled or they were excessively spoiled. Whichever way, they spoil their children for their own benefit. Because spoiled kids make, make literally troublesome adults. And it also makes very frustrated and very disturbed adults. You know, and so when you, when you do that, well, God is not going to spoil his family. God is a nurturer. He, God knows that he's raising us for eternity. I teach parents all the time, you raise your children not for your past and not for your present enjoyment or pleasure. You raise your children for the longest role in their life, which is adulthood. Because what's cute at 16 is criminal at 26. So God is the same way. We think that God created the church experience, hallelujah, for us. He did not. The church is the body of Christ in the same way that your house does not dictate the experience of you as its resident, so do we not dictate the experience of Christ as his body. We don't decide that. God decides the song he wants to hear. He decides the way he wants to do it. So many people are sick of church because church is dry. And you know why it's dry? Because we ran out of how to titillate the human flesh. We've run out of it. And in doing so, in making that a priority, people forgot or were never taught what salvation is. They were never taught what creation is. They were never taught who Jesus is. You don't even know your Savior. You're going to church in somebody's name you don't even know. And you're listening to a whole lot of things that make no sense, disjointed. A quality minister will introduce you to the foundation of Christianity and then acquaint you with the Christian faith. Because before we were a church, we were a state. We were a nation. And now we're an eternal state in the kingdom of God. And so God wants you to say, he wants you to have fun, but he wants you to understand that without him, you don't even know what fun is. You don't know what joy is. Do you realize that we have laughter? I'm going to give this as an example. Laughter. Everybody can laugh. Isn't that wonderful? Now, we laugh because of something that's funny, something wholesome, et cetera. But do you know criminals laugh when they're killing folks? Because laughter is a resource, period. People cry. We cry when we're hurt or we cry when we're broken or something sad, but do you realize that there are people cry to manipulate you so they can rob you? People cry to deceive you? Because emotions are not, that emotions are plain, pure, independent, impersonal, objective things. It is what the person uses them for that determines their health or their goodness or their harm and their evil. And this is growth stuff. Having your senses exercise, practice to discern both good and evil. And they're in the same vessel. Your spirit, your new creation spirit is good. Your soul is still evil. And your spirit systematically, by practicing God's way of life, choosing God, opting in on the Lord instead of opting out on him, your soul becomes gradually converted by your spirit. 
When your soul is converted, your bodily instincts, your physical impulses are transformed to choose the things of God, to desire the things of God, to crave him, and to chase him. You will know when you are ready because you're chasing God. You're not chasing church. You're not chasing your favorite song. You're not chasing your ministry, your ministry outlet. You're chasing God. And everything you do is to come is for you to put it in a, 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 a on an altar and offer it to him. Right now, we're scared to offer God anything because we're not sure what he's going to do with it. What if he don't like it? What if he throws it out? What if he tells us no? What if he makes me stop doing it? I don't know. I'm, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to let it go. Your church experience is supposed to be the experience of Jesus Christ, the experience of being in his body not just enjoying worship service. The reason that we have churches that are doing smoke and mirrors and puffing, I can't even believe church. Can you imagine the humiliation? I mean, the utter, it's forget the ridiculousness of it, but can you imagine the eternal statement of you having to have, a, you got to buy a smoke machine to imitate the Holy Spirit in your church. You have to have a smoke machine because the Holy Ghost glory won't come. Jesus won't lend you his glory, won't even show up, so you've got to buy a replicant. That's kind of like Solomon. When he turned on God, it talks about how when he turned on God and he cut a deal with God's adversaries and with his country's adversaries, he had to sell the solid gold shield and replace them with bronze, a lesser metal, with lesser glory. You all run into those churches with smoke and mirrors. You need to get up out of there. And I did say it. Because if the Holy Ghost doesn't want to show up, why are you going? You sitting there pumping out smoke. Turning off life. And why are you turning off life? Because the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ has left the building. God's not talking because he's not appearing. And so you're walking in the dark. I think there's no better statement of where church is when you got to walk in the church in darkness. You got to walk in blackness. You got to walk into the darkness to go to church to feel something. You don't know what you're feeling. And so God tells, I'm telling you right now, by the Holy Ghost, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom I serve. I'm like Paul. I serve with my whole being. I'm telling you, those churches are doing it because they're cursed. And they are abandoned by God. God has stepped away. Those people don't know Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, those the ones who really know him say, we got to go. I got to leave. I can't stay here because there's no Christ here. And, and, and so you got a whole lot of you all young millennials. You're so, for you, you're just following fads and trends. So you don't know what the spiritual implications are for you attending those churches and what God is revealing to you by those churches about your church leadership, your pastor, and your founder. Because God is telling you, if they've got to buy a machine and do it with human, human means, I'm gone. If they've got to manufacture smoke because they can't manifest the Holy Ghost, they're gone. Why are you there? If they've got to, you've got to turn off the light. Now, you haven't got out the car in bright sunshine, and you've got to go in dark like you're going to a movie or a club. It's because God's not there. God has shut the light off on that church. There is no revelation, no word from the Lord. So I don't know who I woke up this morning 
actually with that word, and God just said, I want you to talk about the church experience. And the church experience is supposed to be, a, every time you go to church, the number one thing you're supposed to experience in church is Jesus Christ. The number one thing you are supposed to experience in church is Jesus Christ. That's your first and foremost church experience. After that, you are to experience his spirit, his love, his grace, his treatment, his, his ministrations, his worship, his response to worship, his response to prayer. You are supposed, everything that you experience in church is Jesus Christ. So if you've got to put up all of this kind of artificial paraphernalia, and I'm not against the screen so the people can see. I'm not against beauty and attraction, you know, because God told Israel, make my temple beautiful. I'm not against that. But when you have to have artificial replacements for the living God and the things of God's life, you are in the wrong church. Get up out of there. You need to leave. When you, are, when you go to church to stand in a corner by yourself and not to be edified by God, you need to get up out of there. You can stay in the corner of your own home. When you go to church, well, we just, this one, he just feels like doing that. Uh-uh, that's chaos. You can't do it on your job. You can't do, even do it in the movie theater. The movie theater tell you, don't turn your phone off. You can't even answer a phone call in your movie theater, but you can go to God's house and, and, and act like some, some wild people wait, raised by wolves. Maybe were raised by wolves, since they are wolves in sheep's clothing. You need to leave those crazy churches. Um, I don't know who I'm talking to. I know that this is something that God is doing. There is somebody listening to me right now. You're very dear to God. You're very precious to God. Great plans for you. And he has some chance, some opportunities that are coming up. But he needs you to know him. Because a lot of blessings you are not going to get from God because you don't know him well enough to handle them the way he needs. So there, I mean, your blessings can not only get held up because you don't pray. And, of course, when you don't tithe and all that. But your blessings can get held up because God is not going to put a good thing in an old thing. He's not putting new wine in an old wineskin. He's not going to put a new patch on an old garment. He's not going to do it. He's not going to give you a new life when you have not yet renounced the life that you have. And you, many of us, you're going to die, and when you get on the other side, you're going to see all of the excellence that God had in store for you. It's going to be on a nice little shelf. And you know what? You're going to say, my goodness, I wasted my life. And while you may enjoy it in heaven with the people who made it, you, will want, you won't bring any trophies to heaven with you because you used it and practiced it here in earth. So whoever you are, I need you to get up out of those, those smoke machine churches and stop going into the dark to try to find the light. Why seek you the living among the dead? Why seek light in the darkness? Be careful about the light that's in you, says Jesus. Make sure it's not the light of darkness. Prophet Ashley. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Are they throwing with me? Where are they? Oh, yeah. Thank you for exposing this. <laughs> you know, some people talking about they ran out of those churches. <laughs> Honey, run like it's on fire. I remember when I would first see that, when I moved to Delta. <laughs> and I was like, where are the lights? Where are the, what is this mood lighting for praise and worship? I couldn't get with that. Never heard of it in my life. Never. This is the atmosphere for worship. This isn't the atmosphere for worship. It isn't. This is the atmosphere for something else. You can start turning 
down lights and carrying on. Well, you don't know what they're going to make off. Yeah. Get stuff. And you don't know that they're not getting into yeah. stuff in the dark. No, that isn't like that at all. Mm-mm. No, but so yeah, the comments here. Let's see. Um, yes, most a lot of them were thinking for close teach teach that. Yeah, pagan <laughs> worship. It is the club. The club church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> and and so it's it's true. It's unsettling to the true believer. It's unsettling, even if you can't put your finger on mm-hmm. why you have a problem with it. You just know that there's just something Mm-mm. about we we want people to uh, anytime you start hearing talking about we want you to be able to free to be worshipped and so somehow the darkness makes you free to worship so you don't feel like people are looking we're in church and we're supposed to be genuinely worshiping the fellowship of the believers <laughs> together. Should we be encouraged by seeing each other worship? Mm-hmm. And love. Motivated, inspired to see those things. And, and mm-hmm. But again, but it's the whole cultural shift because we had the coffee stations and the snack bars. Now, I'm all for coffee and snacks, okay? Before and after. But we had this whole, but for many of these places, it brought in a shift of comfortability. And, and so now we come to the house of the Lord to be comfortable and and to uh, be entertained and do all these things because, hey, all of that other stuff is religious. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it's legalistic. Now, when you go to school, oh, come on, honey. You, go, you have to have your book bag that mm-hmm. you have to like car on. <laughs> you have to sit in a desk in a row every single day. You have to take notes every single day. That's legalism. That's legalism. Regimentation, order, mm-hmm. and structure because they're producing results. When you go to your job, some jobs you must park in a certain parking lot. Mm-hmm. Have to come in a certain door. Have to have a certain badge. And every day we fall in line with that order and routine. Mm-hmm. And That's many true. of them we are proud to do. You go to a private school. Oh, oh my, my goodness! goodness. <laughs> Look at that. Oh my goodness! And you stretch your stuff. You stretch your stuff to wear that uniform. Mm-hmm. They don't care what your preference is, what your fashion is. You know, wear our uniform with our emblem and our logo, mm-hmm. our books. You're going to wear your hair a certain way if they say so. It doesn't matter. And you're going to brag. That's right, because I'm a part of an exclusive school. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of it, and that's what they require. And you walk around with your head high, knowing that all of that speaks to another statement. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the things of God, you trash them. And, 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 you know, whenever you have um, witchcraft, idolatry, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, um, what do you call it, and promiscuity, you will always have those kinds of environments because those are environments that devils like. I'm going to tell you something, just for the record, that is. Because you people, have, in God's world, people have never been able to do anything in the darkness for sin. You need the darkness to sin. There's a reason why clubs turn out the light. Bars. Bars turn out no the window. light. No windows. Okay. So if the sun is still out, you don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And you don't know till you wake up in the morning and see a little bit of daylight, and that's if it's not black. We went to look at a church building. Remember one we just went through? The church, the church walls all black. Yes. I'm like black, black, black means sin. God said the black soul is a soul full of sin. I was like, but this is black. Now, no light. Or whatever. Now, I don't mind if you're saying we're going to do this because it's going to be a studio. We want to make sure that we make this set. Okay, I'm for that. So, But when you go to God's world, Ashley, yes. 
In, the Bible says, in God is light, and there is no darkness at all. God is light. God is light. There is no darkness. The fact that they need darkness means God's not going to those churches. He's not showing up. When you get to God's world, they say it's full of light. There's no darkness in God's world. The last thing that God's going to get rid of before death is total darkness in all creation. Yes. So why is it that you have Christians going dark? Because those churches have given themselves over to devils. Devils need dark. They've always needed dark. Remember, he, he, he brought, he, that's what he introduced into creation. They need darkness, and darkness is doom, and darkness is death. Now, I don't care what you tell me. You cannot find in the Bible that God told you all to be in the dark. He, he had the candle light there in the, in the tabernacle. This plane, that's a church under judgment. And y'all need to understand, that's the judgment of God on the church. And when he turns the church over to devils, you need to recognize everything attached to it comes under that eating. It's kind of like when they put a judgment on the head of the household, everybody is suffers with the judgment. Oh, yeah, you're writing again. Come on, Ashley, what do they say? Somebody just said, good nuggets of wisdom. Uh, teach us millennials. Oh, you not have a heart for the millennials, because they're victims. Most of them are victims of, of the arrogant rejection of the generation, because you don't realize that if God said in them is no darkness at all. If you're in Christ, you want to get over darkness. Before I got saved, I was in their cult. Baby, I had dark green rooms. I had navy blue rooms. I had black rooms in my house. I didn't know what it was at that time, because you don't know to get out. And when, I, and when I got delivered and got saved, the first thing I got rid of was all the darkness. I did. And I say to you all today, that darkness is real. And so, but it's not God. If God is allowing your church to have smoke and, 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 and darkness and all of that, your church is under judgment. And God has, has literally cut that church out. He said, I will remove your candle stick from its place. He has removed that church from his body, from his place. I'm not making it up. He said, I am he who walks among the seven candles. The seven candles represent seven angels, the seven angels of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the very least, your church, you may not want to have the, the most, you know, some, some churches don't want instruments. That's fine. You got some good singers, go after it. You know, but if, you, if God makes you make sure leave, you turn off the light, you should wonder why he did it, why she did it. Because God turned off that light because he removed that church from among his candlesticks. Now, you know that's God. Come on, come on, Periscope. Tell me what you feel, because I know they're writing something. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the statement was made about dark lipstick, dark makeup. All of it. Dark is death. Death is doom. The culture of death in every society is dark. Because death dies. That's why you need black lipstick, because you have no life. Nothing's growing in you. Everything in you is predisposed to death, and you're dying. Well, look at this whole last wave, even in makeup. A lot of lipstick has come out in the last year, two years. Mm -hmm. One, strange colors yes. of lipstick, and then very dark, dark, dark versions. So if it's a brown, it's going to be a brown that's almost black. If it's a purple, it's going to be a purple. It's almost dark blue mm -hmm. or a blue or, you know, a black. But it's also blanking out people. Darkness blanks you out. It makes everything indistinguishable. So it's, and it's really safe to let you know humanity means nothing and demonics and devils mean all. Mm -hmm. 
So you have to spark what they can't fix because God cast them out in outer darkness. So they can't fix it, so now they are going to fashion it. Well, you know, I'm going to do it again. You know, I'm going to do it. Prophet Adia. Well, oh, oh. oh, hold on, hold on. If you are listening on Block Talk Radio, you're going to migrate over to Block Talk Radio. Press that once, get in a lineup so we can talk to you. Dr. Price can talk to you today. Hopefully, Prophet Adia will talk about this as well since we were talking about the prayer portal earlier. There's a new ebook that came out Christ, The Secret to Powerful Prayers. Invoking God's wisdom when we pray. Mm. So if they go to your online store, if they go to your Facebook, it's a few posts down. There's the promo for it. I'll probably put it as one of the offers as well to take them to it. Excellent. You know, you remember Tuesday we talked about people's tongues and, and all of that and how you need to increase your tongues to increase your reach, yes. your span, and strengthen your accessibility to God. Hey, all of that is what's covered in here. Uh, Prophet Adia. How are you doing, Prophet Adia? <laughs> I'm doing well, Dr. Price. How are you? I am wonderful. I just wanted to let you know that we were leaving an opening for you to share your thoughts on the extra training. Amen. The The training has been so powerful today. I mean, it's always good. It's always good. Um, I love what you talked about earlier when you said that God is not a lone ranger. I loved that. You've, you've spoken about that before in terms of the witnesses that really have to witness to your salvation, that God is working with a team, um, that the, the emphasis on God being a person, in other words, how we treat him is important. Um, I love that you talked about he has ways that he wants things to be done. Not everybody has access to his miracles. Um, and this, this was so powerful, too. Um, you talked about how we have to really opt in on God chasing him, not chasing the church, not chasing your favorite worship song. Preach it today, Dr. Price. Tell that truth. But that really is, that's, that's revealing and it's helping, I think, to set us free a little bit in terms of what our focus should be. I put this quote on your Twitter from the message today. You said that the number one experience that we should have when we're in God's church is the Lord Jesus Christ, not the smoke, not the mirrors, Jesus. That's powerful. That's my takeaway uh, from today. Uh, so much of what you said, I, I, I can't, I'm not even going to touch the darkness thing yet because that's, um, that's a drop the mic type of thing, that that church is cursed. God is not in the darkness. Um, look, y'all, if you're on the line today and you've been cutting off those lights during your praise and worship, come on, let's change some things let's, this Sunday. Let's put the lights back on. Let's put the lights back on. That's revelatory all in itself. Everybody, tell you, come on, let's put the lights back on in the church. Hashtag Put the lights back on. Dr. Price, drop the mic on that today. <laughs> Go ahead, Prophet. Tell her how to do it. <laughs> she said, hashtag, put the lights back on. Well, Periscope, you heard it from Prophet Adia. Don't forget to have your children listen to Miss Adia on Saturday morning. She'll tell you how in a moment. And remember, the Prophet Ashley on in the midnight hour on Friday evenings with your prayer requests. Some of you all are going to need to, especially if you are a, a millennials who are in those dark churches, you're going to need these prophets to pray that spirit off of you because it's not trying to be homeless. So you're going to need some prayer and intercession. Make sure you write in your prayer request, and if you, you know, you can just let her know for her to talk, um, to talk you through it and to help you get delivered. Find a church that has the light on. You know, when they found the book of the law, 
in the, the, the dilapidated body or house of God, what did Josiah know? He knew they were cursed. He said, wait a minute. Uh-uh. We cursed. The God of this land is upset. So I'm telling you, that's awesome. I like that. A prophet did. Hashtag says up. Put the lights on. And I want to tell you, you had a lot of happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I love you, family. And that's why we do this. But I want you to win. Trust me, I do. But let me go on record and say, I want you to win. I want you to get the best of Jesus Christ. And I want him to get the best of you. That's the number one thing I want, that Jesus Christ, can get the best of you since he shed his blood for you. So we're going over, Prophet Adil, we're going to let you finish the announcements. Five Periscope, don't forget, 8 p.m. tonight, Prophetic Ed. All right. Well, guys, we want to thank you for catching and listening in to the Paul Price Show today. If you're listening for the very first time, thank you. Welcome. God bless you. Make this your Thursday broadcast. We're here every Thursday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can catch us online at blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Again, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. You can RSS feed to the broadcast so that you never miss an episode. When you RSS feed, you'll enter your email in and you'll receive an email notification every time the show is about to go live. So do that for us. If you are an iTunes user, we are on the Pod Price Show via your iTunes. We appreciate your support and you can take it on the go. You can take it anywhere. Put it on your mobile. Put it on your iPad, listen to it in your car. You'll always receive the archived uh, library of all of the episodes. So as soon as, I believe it's like the same day, a little bit later in the same day, the episode goes live on the podcast. So join us, join us on iTunes, Android users. We've heard you. We're working on coming to your Android as well. So pray for us, all right? We're going to get her podcast on your Android as well. But if you're an iTunes user, it's already there. Subscribe to the Paula Price Show on your iTunes podcast. All right, a few announcements for you guys. Uh, Prophet Ashley mentioned the secret to powerful prayers. That's online. It's available on the bookstore. All you need to do is either go to Dr. Price's Facebook and order it from there, or you can go and visit us online at drpaulaaprice.com and click store. Uh, just enter in Secret to Powerful Prayers, and you'll find it right there. It's an ebook, so no delivery, no waiting. Just download it to your device, and you'll be able to read it. Powerful, powerful. You can pair that with opening your prayer portal. So enjoy that broadcast that or that, that audio message. It's online now at drpaulaaprice.com. All right. Some other news for you. Want to let you know that we are coming so close to the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. It is happening June 21st to 24th. Now, this week, we just put up our class descriptions. We want you to check it out, drpaulaaprice.com. You'll see it there under TPTI 2017 when you click events class descriptions are up and very soon if you've already registered you'll be able to register for your class so once you register you'll get an opportunity to choose your evening class you don't want to miss out on the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute it's coming to you live and in living color on the 21st of June 2017 through the 24th it's going to be right here in Tulsa early bird is over but you can still take advantage of group rates so if you're bringing a group of five or more you can still get a discount to attend if you're bringing a group of 10 or more, there's also a discount. want to let you know that teens are invited to join us this year for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute teens ages 13 through 17. We want to see them there. There's going to be a special evening class just for them, and then they'll participate with the adults during the day. 
So you can find out all that information online at drpaulaaprice.com. So visit us there and do not miss out on this. Want to give big, big shout-outs to our Facebook family. Dr. Price is on Facebook. If you didn't know, you can follow her there, facebook.com slash drpaulaprice. Again, facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. You can join her there. Like her page on Facebook so that you never miss a beat. When she goes live, you'll get a notification that she is on Facebook Live. And for those of you guys who are sharing the messages on Twitter, we really can't thank you enough. So big shout out of love, love, love to our Twitter family. If you want to follow Dr. Price on Twitter, you can follow her there at at Dr. You can also follow the Paula Price Show. We're there at the Paula Price Show. Really easy to find us on Twitter. You can follow the Paula Price Show so that when we do giveaways and we have some special things going on, you can be a part of that. So follow us there. Uh, Last but certainly not least, the prophetic assessment is back. B-A-C-K. It's back, you guys. So you can register now to take the prophetic aptitude questionnaire. This is, I'm speaking to my prophets out there, if you are a prophet, if you, are, if you know that you are called to be a prophet, then this assessment is for you. So take your PAQ right now. It's on for a special introductory uh, rate of $75. That rate will go away eventually, guys. So you want to take advantage of that $75 right now. It normally retails for $100 to take this assessment. So take it now at $75, and you can get a link to take it right there online at drpaulaaprice.com, or you can visit us on our assessment website, which is ppmglobalresources.com. All right, you know what to do, guys. Press that number one if you want to speak to Dr. Price in this second hour. Prophet Ashley, back to you. All right, Prophet Adia, thank you for always keeping us connected with that energy. She has endless energy. I'm sure of it. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. This year's event season is going to be explosive. So save the date and plan to join us this June for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, Prophets, Prophetic Types, Seers, Psalmists, intercessors this event is just for you plan to join us for prophetic training impartation immersion ministry powerful worship and prayer and be ready to go to the next level get all of your registration details right online with us at drpaulaaprice.com apostles apostolic christians five-fold ministry leaders and your teams Get here with us in November for the annual New Era Apostleship Summit. You do not want to miss this time of apostolic impartation. Plan to be with us in November. Get all of your registration details online at drpaulaaprice.com. I, I wanted to take a few minutes to tell you why you want to get this course. Yes, you want to know who you are. Yes, you want to know what God sent you to do. But it is not enough to know thyself. You need to know those that the Lord has assigned to work with you, to labor with you, to understand you, to hold up your hands, and to understand that they are not just volunteers helping out, but they are fixtures. They are affixed to your commission. They are your fixtures. They're your pillars, your founders, your ground. They're your communicators, your extenders, whatever you want to call them. And it's all of that. You need someone to fit all of those capacities. And so I want you to consider using my brand new teaching, building your commission team stage one, if you're an apostle or an apostolic minister, because it's all the same. But what distinguishes what this teaching does 
is not that we're telling people about their ministry. No, we're taking people who are already in ministry or who are predisposed to ministry and who are competent or show potential for competency. And we're telling them, you're assigned to not just help me preach the word or help me spread the word, you're assigned to help me establish something in the earth, build it from the ground up, or fortify it if it's already in existence, and expand it. You want a commission team is about perpetuity, not just performance. And that is what commission training is. So may I encourage you to go to my website and to click I want this commission team. You can go to ppmglobalresources.com and say, I didn't understand it. Now I know. And it's going to give you a blueprint. And then it's going to give you criteria. And it's going to give you standards. And it's going to give you protocols. But it's also going to give you some policies and procedures as well as practices. And all together, we come alongside you as you begin to identify those that God's called to help you do more than go on a mission. We want to help you identify those who are called to become fixtures of your apostleship commission, of your apostolic commission. Again, that's drpaulaprice.com or ppmglobalresources.com. Hey guys, this is Mr. Dia from Saturday Morning Kids. Every Saturday, we post a brand new episode full of God's power, full of God's word, just for kids ages 8 through 12. Subscribe to us on YouTube under Kingdom 5 Student Ministries. That's Kingdom 5 Student Ministries only on YouTube. Kids, I'm talking to you. We're diving into purpose, destiny, and God's plan for our lives. So I'll see you every Saturday for Saturday Morning Kids. New Era Apostleship Restitution, or NEAR, is a kingdom collaborative founded by Dr. Paula Price that unites God's New Era ministries, visions and ventures, businesses and professionals in powerful, productive, and profitable ways that are mutually beneficial to all involved. Based on your level of membership, joining NEAR will give you access to assessment-based coaching and mentorship, personal ministry training and education, ministry credentialing and accreditation, spiritual covering and intervention, vision and ministry development, business and professional development, and more. Visit www.joinnear.com for membership and benefits information. That's www.joinnear.com. Okay, and welcome back to the Paula Price Show, and that is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Paula Price Show with your one and only host, author of the Prophet's Dictionary, Dr. Paula Price. Uh-huh. Wow, well, i tell you what, we had a good start on this thing, so I'm thinking we just can only rise up higher from there. Are you ready? Do you have callers? I am ready. First on the line is Monique from Florida. And Monique is calling in today, Dr. Price, because she would like prayer and guidance concerning intimacy in her marriage. Monique, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you hear me? I surely can, and I'm glad you called in. Thank you, Monique. So tell me, what is it? You've got this quite intriguing prayer request, so let's let's dig into that. (laughs) 
Well, yes, um, it's actually very personal, and um, I've asked people before, and no one can really answer me. So I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, i got to talk to Dr. Price. So um, the question is, I had someone, and it goes it, back to something you said a couple of weeks ago. I had someone prophesy to me. I was very young, uh, quote, unquote, prophesy. I was very young, and my husband and I, we got married around 21. And this lady prophesied to us and said, you know, the Lord says that's your fiancé. You guys are supposed to get married. And so um, we did. I think it was more of like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. We we said, hey, this must be God because this is a woman of God. And then um, years later, we learned the lady is, was not living right. And I don't even know if she really has a gift. I think at one point she was close to the Lord, but definitely not now. So fast forward back to us. We are um, married, and we've always had intimacy issues. Um, and I know my husband is attracted to me. I'm attracted to him. But, you know, um, there's something hindering us. And he's gone through deliverance. And something is still wrong, and we don't know what. We don't know if we weren't supposed to get married. You know, we prayed about it. We fasted about it. Now we have kids, and we don't want to get divorced. But, you know, what do you do in that situation? Very, a very good question. I just wanted to ask you a question. Is it possible for you to, even if kind of abstractly, let us know the particular nature of the issue? I don't know you, you don't know me, we don't know anybody, so I would like to know, um, what would you say, what are you calling an issue? Oh, okay. Um, specifically, like, um, erectile dysfunction. Okay. All right. So, and now, let's go back. First of all, you know, thank God for today, we've got quite a few things to help, but you're right, it is, if it's not a health thing, has he gone to the doctors and had a health checkup? Yes, he, he's gone to the doctors, and they say that um, people, you know, just have it more often now. I mean, it, it's a thing. Like, a lot of men don't come out and say it, but a lot of men are struggling with it. You know, you know, you can change your diet, you can take pills, you can do this. Now, we can do those things, but I was worried that, you know, is that borderline witchcraft to be, you know, taking pills and, you know, using creams and all of that. Well, you know, in terms of a marriage, marital kind of thing, um, I'm going to give you three things. Um, now, he's not on medication, right, because of the, there are certain medications that will do this as well. No. Okay. Um, so if he's not on medication and um, you've had the checkup and all of that, here's a couple of things I would suggest that you, um, and we're going to talk about the witchcraft, but I would suggest you consider the first thing has to do with I know for a fact that Christian marriages will come under attack sexually. They always do. And, and so you have to kind of almost intercede for that as well as anything else. They just do. For some, you, as, as a matter of fact, many couples will say, man, before we got saved, it was absolutely wonderful. And now, <laughs> you know, so there's always that because there's always laying the groundwork for adultery and discredit of God's word. So that's number one I want to say to you. I'm going to give you a few more things for you to pray about. Number two, I'm going to go back to this woman that prophesied it. If she was, I mean, if she was living wrong, etc. I have warned 
people everywhere, and I do it regularly on my show, do not marry on the basis of prophecy alone. I do believe that God has prophets that can put people together that he tells he wants, but most of the prophecies on marriage have to do with just the, the uh, seductive spirit and the spirit of error and delusion in this world. A lot of these prophets are not living right. A lot of them are, 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 are literally anointed by fertility spirits, by idolatrous mm. spirits, you know, by, you know, um, spirits of, of lust, lust, carnal spirits, and they are because they're living in the world. If you're going to follow a prophet's advice and get married, you should thoroughly examine that prophet's life. For example, if they are a young prophet, you need to find out if they are living for God. Do they have girlfriends, boyfriends, or are they sexually active and engaged? Because whenever you engage in sex, you're picking up the spirits of your partner. So they begin to influence that prophetic, okay? And that spirit that seduces that prophet to fall into sin is the spirit that is now talking through that prophet. So you want to make sure that you do. Make sure that they don't have addictions. Make sure that they're not, you know, involved in criminal activity. And above all things, find out how they became prophets. You want to find out whether or not they went to a prophetic meeting and just got activated and called that prophetic. You want to find out if they went to a weekend class and that was it, or they went to a prophetic school that blended divination, shamanism, occultism, and astrology in their development. Because all of those things feed into your prophecy. You also want to find out, if, especially if a prophet is always talking about marriage and family and romance, that is a form of divination. So you want to check out prophets. We don't do that today, Monique, and that's unfortunate. But I'm hoping from this show and, and my other teachings that you stop taking prophets on the basis of their own words. Investigate their credentials. If, are they connected to a reverable prophet? And don't just get married on one prophet's word. You have to, because when God wants something, he assigns that message to more than one prophet. He may assign it to, I don't know, however many, and it may come in different ways, different forms, and, and all of that. So that's the first thing I want to say. You, uh, and, and we can't go back and unscramble that is, but we can go forward with the people who are listening to me today. It is okay. If you go to get a housing contractor, you want to check them out. You go to get a, 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 go to a car salesman, you want to go to an attorney, a physician, you check them out. If a prophet is going to speak words that's going to shift the course of your life, you cannot just take it at face value. You've got to go check it out. And check out their record because even young prophets can get it right, but when they, until you have been in this thing a good five to eight years, you don't have a track record, track record of how many words you got right because words haven't come to fashion. That's why you don't want to just rely on, and I have nothing against young prophets. I promise you I don't, but my prophets weren't allowed to do that. They had to get, I had to watch them to see what happened to the word of God that came out of their mouth. And I I mean, through training, through evaluation, through diagnostics and all kinds of things, I watched my prophets to see how God reacted to their words. I watched them to see what their emphasis was. And I definitely was in their lives. I ha- I'm going to tell you right now, we, we, they don't get into watching a whole lot of crazy stuff. All, I don't allow that because all of that affects your faculties, especially if your strength is not there. Now, I know I got involved with that, Monique, but I think you need to hear that since you're calling me on that graph. So 
I want everybody listening, if you're contemplating marrying someone right now because the prophet said it, halt, halt. Delay the wedding, postpone the wedding, and in your marriage counseling, include a prophet. If you have been prophesied that you're going to get married by a prophet, your marriage counselor needs to be prophetic. And that's just the way it should be because that's what you're basing it on. And you need to know that you're hearing from God. Now, they don't have to be a prophet, although ideally if you can find one that's credible, all the better. But they need to be very prophetic. Intuitiveness is not going to be enough in this because you're shifting people's lives. So that's the second thing I wanted to say. Now, I want to go to something else. You said about doctors talking about how many men. Let me say something that is not often said, but it might be, it's going to lend a case to, um, uh, to, uh, to abstinence. Most men, if a man starts, let's just say a kid, he starts masturbating at a very early age, let's say, you know, 10, 12, however way they start. Every time they masturbate and they ejaculate, they are using up their sexual resources. Now they start having sex young. Again, sexual resources. Now, I, can, I mean, I'm going to tell you this from the word of God. So but if a man starts literally emptying himself of his sexual resources at 9, 10, 12, whatever, by the time he gets married at 25, he's already used up 10 years of his marriage life. If you start having sex early in your life, you still use it up. So part of this issue that men are facing is that, they, that, that if they were getting married, it wouldn't be a problem because if they were getting married, let's say, at 25, maybe 30, you know, God marries them kind of whatever. But if they were getting married older, that same span of time would cover a marriage and cover the satisfaction of a wife. But if they're spreading it out along the way, fatigue is fatigue. Now, I realize that, you know, in, in, uh, back in earlier days, that may not have been an issue, and that's, we don't have any records to prove it. But anything you do in your body, if you expend your energy in anything, I don't care what it is, the body has X amount of reserves for health, for fighting off diseases, for fending off this, for your emotions. Everything is all metered out. God said he did. And so when you look in Scripture, he always talks about, the, the, you know, the bulk of your strength. Giving, what does he say to the man that keeps going to the uh, prostitutes? He said, but you're giving your strength to a harlot. What is he talking about? You're giving your sexual strength and your sexual prowess to someone who doesn't deserve it, but you're also depleting your own reserves for the person that you're supposed to have with it. So this is not, I'm not saying this is all or everything. I'm telling you that that's part of it. Then there's also the whole hereditary piece that you have to deal with. You know, I would like to know, you know, if this is something that goes on to dad or uncles or granddads or moms or whatever. But that's a, another piece of it. But I, I am firmly uh, convinced of the Lord that a lot of this sexual um, dysfunction this, and this um, erectile Dysfunction, when it's not medically induced, it has to do with plain old sexual fatigue. You've been at it a very long time. You have spread around to a lot of people, a lot of women, for a lot of reasons. And because it's so much fun and it's so easy and it's free and nobody can judge it, you never think of your sexual health. And Satan needs it depleted. He needs it depleted. That's just the way he is. And so there's that. And then the last thing, which I would like to add, and then, Monique, we can talk. But the last thing I'd like to say is that sometimes it's just one time with the wrong woman. Just one time. Because if that woman has a particular spiritual prowess attached to her sexuality, 
I'm telling you, she literally, that thing can infect you spiritually and begin to erode your soul, erode your appetite and your abilities. So I would say that if he's done all of those other things, this is not just witchcraft. This has to do with a consequence. Are you there, girl? I'm just dumbfounded. Yes, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) So what we have. So it, it, it could be or really be that your husband had a one-night stand, an affair with somebody who has strong spiritual prowess and strong spiritual um, um, influences. And as, uh, I, I call them affectations attached to their sexuality. Because when you are seduced, I remember, literally remember a young man who was a womanizer, two men actually. That's one of them. I'm going back now 30 years. But anyway, I remember two men who were womanizers. I mean, they were genuine womanizers. And one man, I mean, he got married, and he still was a womanizer, and then he got saved. And when he got saved, this is a true story, when he got saved, he, um, he of course, like how real is salvation? You don't realize how God is until he starts taking over. And he had a woman that was seducing him at work. And every day she was just haunting him. She just wouldn't stop. And so he went and he said, you know what? You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm just going to do it. And he stood in his mirror and he said, um, he looked in his mirror and he saw it. He said when he went, wherever they were, he began to touch that woman, a, a demon back out of her body, looked at him and laughed. Hmm. Because a womanizing spirit is a demon. They call it, and of all, in the Old Testament, it was a Dremelech. So, um, but that was one. Another man, same story, womanizer, very handsome guy, and I mean, just couldn't stop. And his story was just a little bit different because he said that after God delivered him and really delivered him from his, his uh, sexual promiscuity, he said all of these odors of all of those women came about of him. Because the Bible said the only sin you take in yourself is the sin of sexual immorality. That's the only sin that you take in. Every other sin passes through. So I want to say to you, we would have to have a, a little bit more conversation about how your husband has handled his marriage. That's number one. And also about his family history and, and his family's pattern in this area. But my first, my first thought is that he tapped into a woman who got him. And it wasn't just witchcraft. It was just who she was. Well, he says he's – remember, we were very, very young when we got married. So he says he's never been with anyone before. So my question would be, could it be me? Because I have been with someone else. It could well be you, but if that's the case, it's kind of like, you know, too little, too late. Because, but, but here's what I will say to you. I will not leave you with hopelessness because my prayers work. I will pray this through. But if you've never, I mean, you might have said, God, forgive me, and never really dealt with that and renounced that, you know, um, at all. For example, I, uh, we were just talking this week. Um, I was ministering to someone who was talking about an issue they had. And um, and I've seen this happen before with a man, but sometimes it's also a matter of associations you've been with. Like a lot of people, a lot of teens and a lot of college people or people in college covenant with fraternities and sororities, and they never canceled those assignments. So even though they mm-hmm. repent to God, they never pull back 
from that did. They never pulled back. They didn't break that covenant. And so that thing just goes on. And that's whether it's you and someone else or someone else in you. But even if that's the case, if he's never been with anyone and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get that he has, has been, you know, but it is a matter of somebody plugged, somebody connected him. But I want him, I would love to have you all talk with me again, and I'd like to talk with you about the family line because to me this sounds like something is passed on. I personally feel that, and it's not something we've ever asked his father, but I I feel like it is something in the family line. I haven't, yeah. you know, I mean, how do you go and ask someone's, you know, dad that I don't think he's going to be forthcoming, but um, well, that's just how, has, has he ever talked to his father about the issue? No. Okay, because we have to get in the root of that. That's if something has to be there. But beyond all of that, I just want to say to you that if if the case was, I gave you all of those scenarios, not just for you, but for my listeners. But if the case is you, then we have to go back to you and God having an issue. Because however, mm-hmm. that, if you all been married, then that means that if either you were had somebody before him, or you committed adultery. No, I didn't commit adultery. We we broke up. For a little while, right before we got married, and so okay. I, I had a boyfriend. Oh right, and for so we for split help. up, and then. Hmm. I said for, for you broke up for a short period of time. Is that what you're saying? Short period. Of time. Yes. Okay, so here's what I want to say. I mean, because I'm just going to pray by the Spirit of God, because I, to me it's like I still say I'm, I've got to be somebody, and it's got to be a, a problem in the family line. You know, mm-hmm. um, either that or something psychological. For example. And I'm saying this, this sounds crazy, but we, since we're exploring, we just want to explore, all right? I mean, I can come up with a whole lot of statements, but I want to explore. For example, if he's had some sort of um, um, perverse sexual experience or encounter that you don't know about, that would also do it. You know, uncle, I've, brother. I've asked, and, I've, I've asked him all of that. The only thing is that you said that really pinpointed was that he masturbated a lot before he got saved. He watched a lot of porn and a lot of masturbation. Well, at least we got somewhere in this thing, huh? And so because yes. when you think about it, well, because because God gives us all of our resources as reserves for, uh, for our married life if we're going to be married, for our future lives. I don't care if it's your voice. You ruin your voice. You, you, you overuse your voice. You're going to lose it. You, over, you overtax the muscle. It's going to stop functioning. I mean, it doesn't make a difference what part of the body is. But if that's his case, two things have to happen. Number one, we're going to have to deal with the fact that, you know, he just probably just warm himself off or just, or just lost interest or appeal in it. Or, and secondly, when you are caught in pornography, it's the same as sleeping with somebody. You still, it's still by spirit. Mm. A spiritual covenant is still created. Because right now, if what you're saying is true, then his dysfunction is a legal contract with that spirit. Mm. So we now have to go back, and, and, and that's assuming that he's, he's stopped altogether. Because, you know, I always say people lie about three things in life. My, my team always gets me because I say it, but I kind of grew up on it from my mom. And that's why people will always lie about three things, who they had sex with and how much. They will always lie about how much money they have, and they always lie about who they vote for. So people will lie about three things. And, <laughs> 
know, we got a president in office nobody voted for. Come on. So people lie about three things. <laughs> and so and because sex is such an intimate subject and such a touchy subject that, you know, we always want to say, people want to say, you know, well, how many people did you have before? Just one. Okay. You know, you can rest assured it was three to five because people don't want to know. It's a very private thing. And also it's just something that happens so spontaneous that people have sex in, in, in a 20-second in window, and they're gone and never remember it or, or, or dismiss it because it's so ashamed. But I'm going to pray, but your husband, if he did that, then that's a covenant that he legitimized, that his sexuality would not be aroused by a woman, mm. but by a fantasy. Wow. So, yeah, so we need to talk again, but I want to pray over you. I'm so, um, you know, I hope this has been helpful to you, um, but we need to address that because that's probably where it is. You know, it's not even just the fatigue as much as it's a covenant. Because, you know, devils are like, are you kidding? I own this. You know, God does it. He says, I own this. And when you, when God owns you, he lets nothing come in. He will frustrate everybody's world, etc., for his own. He will do that. And so, you know, if he created spirits to be like him as spirit, you can rest assured that when he got married, that devil was not happy with you. Right. So we have to, and I can, I can, I'm going to pray this for you, but he's got to get that prayed off of him. That covenant, he's got to break. Well, he he has renounced and denounced everything. He went through deliverance, and so he the, the deliverance was just recently, a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, he came home. He was excited. He's like, "Let's try," and you know, we both were just very disappointed. Well, we're going to talk about, we're going to work this through because it's, it's got to be, if, if, if you're still there, I'm telling you where he is right now is guilt and embarrassment. Pray about that. He's in guilt and embarrassment. Father God, thank you in Jesus' name for all that you are, all that you do, and Lord, your righteousness. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of truth. Healing the moment. There is a covenant bond that he is not tapped into, and there's a covenantal agreement he has made with this force, this unclean spirit that has not been revealed. God, I'm thanking you that you reveal it. And I'll be revealed in this call because it would be too involved, but I'm asking you, God, to visit this marriage and visit it with forgiveness, forgiveness, God, forgiveness, and visit it, Lord, with restoration. I'm I'm asking you to do it, Father, in Jesus' name. I come against this pornographic spirit that is stalking this man's life and stalking his marriage. I speak to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, that I cancel your contract with his marriage. I command the spirit of adultery and the spirit of divorce to loose him and and let him go free. God, I thank you that you give him a second chance, Lord, not because any of us are deserving, but because you are a merciful God. And I'm asking that you visit them, that you reconnect them as a married couple in you according to your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Ghost says you all have to have a remarriage. Mm. Y'all have to, I don't know if you ever did that, but obviously, whatever, however way this went, it just wasn't enough. Now, I, if you know my people, they will tell you I never, ever, ever endorsed it because I just never really think of reason for it. But as I was praying, God was like, you all need to come back to him in him as two saved people who are clean, 
who've renounced all of that, and you've got to renounce the spirit of infidelity. I don't know why he's saying it, but that's what he's called, he says, it's the spirit of infidelity. You've got to renounce that. So you all probably need to get together with your pastor, have some vow renewals, but also I would love for you to become a, uh, a client so that we can help you work through this. So you need to call back. Um, and not call back, go online, drpaulaaprice.com, and ask for, um, and I have a, I want to make a last statement to you, and say, I want a prophetic advisement. And then you can choose either Prophet Ashley or Chief Prophet Tyler, and we can start with that, because right now, this thing is going to need a prophetic depth that this call can't, you know, allow. But um, mm-hmm. as, as you, as we begin to get you forward, you have got to realize mm-hmm. that even when get delivered, if they don't forgive themselves, and if they don't get past the guilt, we can't have that. It, it just won't work. And, and lastly, when you are dealing with sexual issues, that is a supreme spirit. That thing is right up under the Lord. And I'll tell you why, because when you read Genesis, it says that. It starts with, it, it starts with that, and when the world ends, if that's one issue it's going to end on sexuality. That is real, because... That's what devils were were deprived of, what Adam had and Eve got that they didn't get. Mm. So are you going to make the call? Yes. Good. Well, then you make the call. I hope that this was helpful to you. Um, I would love to see how we can dig into this a little more for you. But what I do get is two things, a guilt and infidelity. And sometimes when people, when it, for him, it's been going on so long, and he's the cause of it. After a while, you just your emotions get shattered, mm-hmm. and your hope is, you know, destroyed. So I know my prayers work. I need to you to get on board. When this happens, you're gonna call me back, and you're gonna say, Doctor Frank, that prayer worked. God gave us a breakthrough. It's gonna be fine. Now I will say to you, in the meantime, I do not. I once had a couple that had an issue. And I was getting ready to say, just believe God, because, you know, we like to go to Facebook. But he said, he needs help. And so if you can get something to help your marriage for your marriage, then I suggest to do so. Mm-hmm. You mean like medication? Absolutely. Okay. I suggest you try it. it can't, if he's healthy enough for it, then I suggest you try it. I don't think you're going to need it long. To be honest with you, I'll be surprised if you need it more than two or three times. But I do know that God is, God wants marriages to work, and he doesn't want adultery. Okay? Come on, give me your thoughts because you're kind of stuck there. Oh, I'm taking it all in. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, I, I, you know, when we come together, I, I literally feel – like a, a hopelessness. Um, yeah. Well, and you, so, you would, and I'm sure I'm, you're crying all the time or either fussing all the time because of it. Um, but God will do this. Make the call. Let us not leave this where it is. We can dig into this. Okay. Okay. I thank you very much. I appreciate it. I know it's a very sensitive subject, but um, I just but didn't know where to go. So. No, listen, it's not, first of all, it's not exclusive, and it's unfortunate that Christians got to go to unsafe folk to get answers to things because we think that God doesn't care. God cares about your sexual health, and God cares about your marriage bed. He cares about it being uh, satisfying because he said he tells you to come together so that the, the enemy doesn't tempt you because you're incontinent. 
He wrote that in his word, so he does care. We just don't have enough healthy environments for it. So please don't hang up this phone and let the devil beat you in the head. Please don't do that. Yeah. All right? We can work this out. We are, we, this, we can win this. So, hey, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, until then, make sure you make that appointment. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. God bless. Bye. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley. All right. Uh, hey, if you're listening on the line and you want to get that shot to get with Dr. Price, press that number one. And next we have Anthony from Louisiana. And Anthony's calling in today because he would like some counseling on how to get closer to his child. I'm thinking that's uh, maybe an emotional connection there. Anthony, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Thank you. How are y'all doing today? Wonderful, Hello. actually. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, Great. I have a nine-year-old nine child who lives in a different state. Um, I have issues with her mother after she was born and part and, part, and mostly it was my fault because some of the things that I did, I let my family get involved and I just got back into her life about really two years ago. And, um, I'm struggling because I want to move back to be closer to my kid, but I want to make sure that when I go, everything is going to be set up right where there won't be no issues with going to church and a career move. So I was wondering how to, how do I deal with that? Okay. So let me, I want to qualify what you mean by set up right. When you say set up right, do you mean set up right with your, your daughter's mom or your daughter, or as you pointed out, church and career, which part are church. you most concerned about? Church. Okay. Ch- so is there church, a church, church, church career, but, do they attend church there? They do attend church. Have you attended it? I haven't gone to it yet. Okay, so the first thing you want to do, obviously, is to check out the church. You might like it. It might be just perfect for you. And also, if it's perfect for your daughter, you might need to just kind of, you know, put up with it for her sake until you and your daughter really become close again. In other words, snatching her out of her church is certainly not going to endear you to her if she likes that church. Right. So that's the first thing I would suggest. Um, And that could take a little bit, you know, but then you're a dad. One thing I do here is that however way this child was born and however way she came into the world, the circumstances surrounding it, you are a real dad. And you want to do right by your daughter, and that I commend you for. So, but doing right by your daughter will involve you doing a trading off a lot of things for the years that she didn't have you, and trading mm-hmm. off a lot of things for her having to adjust to not having a dad, and then having one abruptly show up in her life. So, the normal the normal counsel that you would give a father about a child uh, where the father has been in the home and all of that won't apply to you. With you, it's going to probably be largely negotiation for the next three years, just so she can trust you and know that you aren't going anywhere. But you're also going to have to give her an opportunity to let you know how she, how she coped with this before you returned. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Can you break that down for me? What do you mean by coping? Yes, I can. In other words, you know, kids are really funny. She, she could be very excited about you being here and she's nine, so, you know, 
she can be very excited and, and, and pleased. But as she grows up, there are going to be things that are going to come out towards you or come out about those times that are going to surprise you. And in order for you to be, get out in front of it and take the lead on it, you should ask her, so what did you feel about me when, when you didn't have a dad? How did you handle that? You know, what did you, what did you do? You know, because kids put things in their, other things in their place or in the place of something they want. They'll put some sort of fantasy or whatever. You want to find that out while she's still young. Because there are things that she committed to comfort herself and vows that's going to come up when she's old enough to act on them. And that's, that's just an aside. You didn't ask, but that's just an aside. Now, as far as career, I just want to go into the record of saying, um, asking you, have you started submitting resumes to uh, jobs in that area? I, have, I haven't started submitting resumes, and the reason being is because I was looking at just, like, financially, like, having – like when I make the move and send them and submit the resumes, I wanted to have enough money to make the move. So when, okay. when I get there, I'm not financially tired. I don't have any place to live. I don't have any, any place to stay. Right. So that's well, why I we haven't. Can, we can pray that. that. I mean, as far as that goes. And also, if that's the case, then you have to decide that it's going to take me nine months to save up the money and to get what I want. In other words, even though you love your daughter, you want to do it, you know, you still want to do it right. You have to make one of two decisions in this. You want to make one of those, the first decision is to be led by your parental or your fatherly concern to go ahead on and relocate and trust God to settle you or to delay that and to restrain your fatherly emotions right now and stay where you are and build up enough of a financial stability so that you'll go there the way you want, because the last option seems to be the thing that's uh, bothering you the most because you want to be able to go there and finance her and invest in her. You don't want to have to go there and say, Daddy doesn't have the money for this and Daddy can't do that. So I realize that that's your choice. But those are the options that you have. And, and, and all of the prayer in the world is still not going to uh, outdo pragmatism or eliminate the need for pragmatism and, you know, common sense. So here's what I want to know. Which way do you want to go? Because I'm going to pray that way. If you want to say, you know what, I'm tired of being apart from my daughter. I want to be with my child, and so I'm going to do this and let God make the way, that's fine. We can pray for that. We're going to pray into the realm of the miraculous. Amen. If you want to be a little bit more practical and a little bit more um, um, you know, um, prudent in your decision, then you probably want to say, I'm going to take nine months and I'm going to stay where I am, save money. If you have to move out of your apartment and move into something smaller and shrink your life so that the excess is used and saved for when you relocate, then that's another option. And, and I want to say to you, moving out and scaling back your life may be a good thing because if you chose option one, you'd scale back your life. Right. So which one are you leaning toward? The nine-month plan sound is, is, is better because I need time to plan, and I'd rather pray for that, and, and I'd rather do that option. Okay, then when you do it now, you can't just do it and maintain your living. You're going to have to do it, open up a savings account, scale back your life because you have a vision, and, and, and it happens. And, and the most wonderful thing about making the decision uh, to take these steps on your own, life doesn't have to make them for you, so you're in control. 
of the change. So you're going to have to scale back your life because in nine months you want to relocate to be with your child. You also can let her know, but if you let her know, you cannot break your word to her. That means you have to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Okay. All right? So I'm going to pray for that. God, I thank you for Anthony. I thank you, Lord, for the father in him. I thank you for the father in him coming alive and for his love and concern for his daughter. The first thing I want to ask you is that you forge a bond between them, a strong relationship between them, Lord, that she will love and trust her dad and he will be there for her and comprehend her and and begin to partner with her nearby growing into the woman that you've ordained her to be. That is the first thing. The second thing, God, I ask is that you give him the courage, the restraint, and the wisdom to prepare what he must prepare so that he can relocate to where his daughter is with finances in his pocket, able to pick up uh, her care, her upkeep, and even guide her recreation. She has some good things she wants to do and, and recreationally. So I'm asking you to do that, Lord. And if this, if we say nine months, but if it's your will, then he joins her quicker. Then, God, I thank you that you open up the way for him to be there, that you provide the funds, you provide the job, you provide the opportunity for him to join his child and be a father in her life right now. And, Lord, we remove every hindrance, every barrier. We remove every obstacle and every adverse influence out of his way so that he can go and fulfill his heart's desire on this matter. We bless you for doing it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Keep us posted, okay? All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley? All right, Dr. Price. I had some other people, but they dropped off. They may have been doing that. I'm at work sneaking thing. Because it happened. Well, how much time do I have? Because, you know, I could, oh, I got a little bit. Um, but listen, if anybody else have a question, we still got time. I got about seven minutes to pray for somebody else. If you're there, push that number one, and, and let's see what, we, what God can do. Clearly, God wants to break some things through today. But, you know, Ashley, while we are, waiting to see if anybody else needs um, to talk. I want to talk to you about um, covenants that never got broken. You know, we were talking this week uh, a little bit about it, but a lot of people pledged for fraternities and sororities. Now, we know, you know, even a Christian uh, fraternity or sorority still has elements of, of, you know, the Greco-Roman ancient religions and pagan um, influences on it. And some of you all got saved and maintained that relationship, and you maintained that connection. Now, I am not telling you whether or not you should stay or go or all of that, but if you find that your life has hit blockages and you've got, you've got all of this um, uh, irrational resistance and irrational barriers to whatever you want to do, seeing yourself going two steps forward and three backwards, or if your children seem to be just oddly um, difficult or oddly affected, then you might want to check your pledges because when you pledge for those things, however jokey-jokey they are presented, those are covenants, and those are covenants with the spirits that founded those sororities and those fraternities. You cut covenant with them. You have authorized them to see to your life. 
Now, you get saved, and, and, you know, because we oversimplified the salvation thing, you get saved, and when you get saved, you decide, um, well, it's all under the blood. Yeah, it's under the blood. Nobody is taking that from you. When God forgives you, he forgives you. But if you continue to maintain relationships and alliances there, there's a compromise. That's the first thing I would love for you to think about. But there is a larger issue that you should be aware of, and that is Satan is a criminal, and criminals don't obey the law. Criminals don't change because you said, oops, I mean, even if you're part of a gang, half of you all know if you're part of a gang, they're not letting you go just because you say, hey, I feel like I want to get on the right side of life. So that's just the way it is. So many times you may have money's affected, especially if you're on the rolls and you're not really connected, or if you become a Christian, they're going to step up their, their influence in your life and step up their grip on your soul. That's going to happen. And so I would say to some of you, especially if you're talking about pregnancy issues, you're talking about job issues, you're talking about finances, you just can't cut a break, you're talking about favor. Some of you, somebody I'm talking to right now, you've been trying to get this business thing and business thing off the ground, you can't get favor. Well, you're asking two different gods to make it happen. And you have to decide, choose ye this day whom you will serve. We don't talk about things like that, and yet they need to be discussed. And the reason that they need to be discussed is this. We have been taught that everything is faith, okay? We've been taught that everything is faith. And in our mind, faith means that we um, – that. It's ethereal, it's optional, it's not tangible, it's not, you know, obligatory. We've got all of these kinds of mixed perceptions of faith when, in fact, everything spiritual has a, a personified being attached to it. The influences are being manifested, exercised, exhibited or exuded by a being. It doesn't make a difference that it's invisible. So when, you, when we go into these things, we think we're just dealing with the influences and we're just dealing with the effects and the, the, the flow, but that's not what's happening. We've got to deal with the person, the, the, the personified being that's attached to it. I want to come back on this a little bit later on, but I just thought I wanted to let that out. Ashley told me I had somebody on the line. I want to take this call. All right, Dr. Price, and as it happens, it is Vanessa from New York. And she (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and she would like prayer really to identify, I would say, the strong man in her life that she keeps meeting resistance with. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) How you doing, Dr. Price? Are you kidding? I'm glad to hear your (laughs) voice. You're my brandy new daughter. So I'm excited to hear your voice. Now, and of course you're going to come on when I only have a few minutes to talk to you, so you're going to have to call back if we have to okay. run out of time. All right? Okay. Now, can, okay. can you give me in a sentence what is the, the stronghold that you keep running into? I well, well, one of the things that you mentioned before, now I have to go back because I am a part of a sorority, and I got to go back and break that. So that might be part of it, too. Because um, I did repent from it, but I know you mentioned earlier about breaking covenant and all this other stuff. So that might be one of the things. Um, but I think for me, it might be, I have a problem with letting things go sometimes. And I think sometimes when um, I think that I let it go, because maybe the thing is not in front of in front of me, I think 
God might put me in situations where he's like, no, it's still here. And then when it comes back, it's like dealing with the same thing over and over. So, you know, I'll fast and I'll pray and renounce this and that. And I'm just like, this thing just seems like whatever it is, it's just keeps following me. Like, especially like this week, I um, went into prayer and fasting and it just seemed like there was just so much craziness, like in the atmosphere, you know, uh, like around me or against me. Like, I don't know if it was like witchcraft or anything like that. Um, and then my dreams were like insane. And I'm like, how am I praying and fasting to, to get clarity on things? And it's just everything just seems like a mess. You know, old things being brought up, dreams are insane. And I'm just kind of like, so what do I do? Great. I'm glad to hear that. That means that my prayer worked and we wake up, we woke up some stuff. We took the seal <laughs> off. We unsealed all that, that you had been restraining undercover. You know, I always mm-hmm. say, you never know that there's an unclean spirit working on you until it's threatened, at which point it starts fighting and it starts cutting up. So I'm excited about yeah. that. Here's what I want you to do, and I think we talked about that a little bit. When I was in New York, I want you on 3D, and I want you with Prophet Ashley on 3D, okay, okay. because you can't get rid of this by yourself. A, it's too big, B, it's been too comfortable in your soul, and C, which I think is most important, is that you have to have a stronger man. You know, in the scripture, we always forget that. It says, but when a stronger man, then he goes. So we Mm -hmm. need to get you involved with a stronger man. A lot of what you're fighting is because these things have have fused with your soul, it's fused with your habits, it's fused with your... um, your makeup, your desires, your wants, your tastes, your appetite. You don't realize how sophisticated this thing is, and it's fused mm-hmm. with all of the things that keep you going in life, mostly your survival. So this is yeah. what you have, the strong man that is fused with all of your survival tactics and all of your survival solutions. And now you don't need them. And because you don't need them because God is rebuilding you, they're getting squeezed mm-hmm. out, and they're not, like, they're not yeah. liking it at all. But see, I know no. you're too intelligent for me to just say boom, boom, kabang. I did that. Remember, I prayed for you when we were there. You are intelligent. You need an intelligent deliverance process. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want you on 3D. Okay. Because you're a thinker. You're going to ask 900 questions because I was there. Remember? Yep. You want to ask 100 questions, and then you want it to make sense. And, and, and the reason that it's important is because your deliverances are 100% tied to your intelligent delish decisions to address mm-hmm. issues that you felt frustrated by or that wounded you. So now we have to yeah. redo that. We have to go back and undo all of that. So you're going to call. When it's over, you're going to call and say, I want prophetic advice. And I'll call you and go to prophet. Uh, what is it, drpaulaaprice.com. You're going to say, I mm-hmm. want prophetic advisement. We're going to hook you up with uh, Prophet Ashley because she is the mm-hmm. one. She got most of our 3D clients. And so we're, okay. we're going to connect you with her. I want you to do it. It is, it is reasonable. It is not out of your scope, but you okay. need it. And when you do it, come on now, I'm going to tell you right now, when you do it, mm-hmm. crazy is going to show up in your life because crazy has gotten you off the hook from healing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna we're not gonna she's not gonna let you off the hook and trust me gracious lady determined but she will stalk you okay right now she will stalk you. okay you need you need somebody who's gonna hunt you and find out what the issue is so I want you to go there because that's what you need this is this is not gonna be a quick prayer for you because you're too intelligent and you're too highly educated. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So the funny thing about it, I'm gonna say this and then pray. What people don't realize is that educated people are hard to deliver because they're intelligent. And yeah. we, we like to tell them about them not having the well, it's just because they don't have faith. No, they got faith. Their faith mm-hmm. is fine, but their faith was also part of that education process. So mm-hmm. I, I want you to know that you need this. And so we're gonna pray right now because I'm running out of time. Ashley said I got okay. thirty seconds and I gotta okay. do this. So amen. Father, thank you for Vanessa. Thank you for her life and her deliverance, thank her you. rededication yes, to you, her Lord, and her affection for you. God, I yes, thank Lord. you for doing it. You did a major work in the beginning with her in New York, but now thank we you, need Jesus. to do the therapeutic backup to cure her soul. God, she yes, needs Lord. soul curative that's going to take time. So I'm asking that you be, continue to do the work, connect her in the 3D, give mm-hmm. her an awareness of it, and most of all, Lord, walk your daughter into her new life. I thank you for doing it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. All right. I'm gone. Thank you. All right. I'm gone. Don't forget, 8 o'clock tonight, Prophetic Ed. God bless you, and I will see you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.